Welcome, friends. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, your host, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. That's me. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, so, uh, lots of going on. Obviously, the big story. Well, a couple of big stories. One, of course, Trump once again uh, delivered some bad news by a Democrat judge in New York. I had a friend of mine call me about this and say, Sam, is this, how does this affect Trump? And I shrugged my shoulders. It doesn't. And he goes, well, there's, there's going to be a financial cost to him for this. And I said, well, you know, that, that may be, but let's take this apart for a moment, shall we? Because essentially what, these, uh, what this judge has ruled is saying that, and by the way, his name is uh, Supreme Court Justice Arthur Engeron. Now, Supreme Court justices, this is not, uh, this is the trial court in New York State. It's a little confusing. I remember uh, back in law school reading uh, court decisions. That's what you do. That's how you learn uh, different legal principles. You read past decisions in the, uh, that have been handed out by, not just by uh, federal courts, but also by state courts. And there are some that came down from the, New York Supreme Court, I think this is something important. No, it's not an appellate court. It's a, it's a trial court ruling on um, a matter here related to Trump's real estate portfolio. So what he's doing, essentially, the, the claim is that Trump is overstating the value of his assets in order to leverage those for a loan. So even before I knew any of the details of this case, I, my sort of my, my, my take on it was, uh, that pretty much every person who is in real estate, who uh, engages in this type of investment, probably exaggerates the value of their assets by a little bit. But remember, too, these assets are, are not secret. These assets are not, um, are not mysterious. They're disclosed to the bank. The bank makes decisions based on those assets. So let's, for example, take uh, Trump Tower. Uh, you can debate back and forth as to the value of what that piece of real estate is. And there's a range. There's a high range and there's a low range. Are you buying it? Are you selling it with intent to get a certain number and are okay if it doesn't sell? Or are you looking to sell it at all costs and need to get out of it within, you know, within, let's say, 12 months? And a fire sale will always, you know, get you a lower price. It doesn't matter if it's Trump Tower or if it's a condo in Summerlin. It just doesn't matter. So the, the judge here is saying that's overstated some of these values. And I'm immediately suspicious of it because I'm thinking, okay, so, so Deutsche Bank or, or whoever uh, lending Trump money, these are sophisticated people. If he is pledging an asset, they can verify that asset. And these, again, these assets are uh, can, they can be they can be independently verified, right? And so, just as that was my initial reaction after hearing the news of the story break, I then uh, started looking at some of the details, and I, I I almost fell out of my chair because this this idiotic Democrat judge, who is obviously out to get Trump, I mean that's the mo right now. It, guess what? He has determined in this ruling this week. Not five years ago, but literally here and now, 
that the value of Mar-a-Lago, Trump's infamous now uh, beach resort club uh, in Palm Beach, is worth $18 million. Now, have you been to Mar-a-Lago? Have you seen? I've seen it from the air. I've, I've not been to it. Uh, it's a spectacular place built by Marjorie Merriweather Post. Uh, spared no expense. Trump, of course, picked it up, I think, for a song, if I remember, something like, I don't know, like 8 or 10 or $15 million. Very small amount of money. Um, I mean, it's multiple acres. Uh, it's, well, but real estate people who operate in the area in Palm Beach are saying that the property would list for a minimum of $300 million. So this begins to give you an idea the extent to which these Trump derangement syndrome besotted uh, libs and judges in particular and prosecutors, where they're going with this. I mean, you can't even, this is, this is, this is a joke. You can't buy a decent waterfront house in Palm Beach for $18 million. You're not going to get a teardown for $18 million. The, the property values there are, are unbelievable. So th- th- this is, I'm just, I'm, I'm just providing a little bit of context. And by the way, this stuff, I, can I give you an example here? Some, somewhat personal, I don't want to get into too many details here, but I just, earlier today was, I discovered that a prominent uh, person here in Las Vegas purchased a couple of lots uh, in my adjacent to my neighborhood. And so now this person uh, who is a major casino owner, a very wealthy guy, uh, is going to have roughly the same amount of property that I hold in this area that I'm uh, preparing to build my my dream home on. Now for now I'll tell you this is this is in the downtown, uh, area here in Las Vegas, and and you know I I picked up compared to what he paid for. I'm very proud to say I picked up my land for a song. Now, what of that? Well, when I would fill out my financial forms and whatnot, put together my uh you know my statement on some net worth if I needed to do that for some financing and whatnot, I would I I. I gave a conservative but still a higher amount than what I paid for it. I remember some people asking me, well, I don't know, Sam, if that that land is worth what you think it's worth. I said, I think it's worth more. I think I'm being conservative. Well, now I have a comp, and I'm being very conservative. I'll put it that way. But you see what I'm saying. You know, this is, you know, pricing of specialty real estate is uh, a little bit uh, squishy in terms of, of how you evaluate it. And, but, but I, there's nothing. Yeah, Mar-a-Lago specialty, Trump Tower specialty. Uh, but these are not, a $300 million piece of property, uh, you can't, I mean, only a left-wing idiotic judge who ran unopposed in his last election would come down and say, yeah, I think that's only $18 million and, 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 and do this to, you know, and, and, and call Trump a fraud. So expect this ruling to get... Uh, to get overturned, I mean, it'll it'll go out on appeal, and 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 again, it's it's really going to be a battle of experts, and, and and there's nobody with a straight face can claim that it's worth this little. A big 
giant nothing burger. So if somebody says, do you see this is another example of how Trump's campaign is going off the, off the rails? Uh, no, it's not. And, it's, and, and I think for most people that aren't even getting into any of these details, they're thinking to themselves, I mean, uh, what, what happened? What was, what, what was that in New York? Another, oh, Trump got, again, he, an, another finding against Trump in New York, yawn, right? Uh, another one. Boring. It's losing its sting. It's losing its sting. Now, meanwhile, meanwhile, the other bit of news that came out is the Republicans in the House Oversight Committee found they're getting in some of these banking records, and they discovered a $250,000 wire originating in Beijing that listed Joe Biden's home as the beneficiary address. The beneficiary was not Joe Biden himself, but Biden's son, Hunter. And the wire that came out uh, came from people affiliated with the Bohai Capital Group. And Bohai Capital, this was a this one of the owners of a, a partnership venture that was between them and Hunter Biden's Rosemont Seneca Partners. Remember, that's little business, little hustle business that he set up with his buddy Archer, uh, who is, uh, I think now has reported to prison. So the first wire that got sent out actually was on the 26th uh, of July of 2019, $10,000. And um, it came from a lady named Wang Shen, who is listed on the website as uh, one of the BHR partners. The second wire was sent to Hunter Biden. That was dated August 2nd, uh, just days later, same year, 2019, for $250,000 from Li Shang Shang, also known as Jonathan Lee. I love when they have these. Yes, they've got their, they've got their American spy name. Jonathan Lee, the CEO of BHR Partners. Yeah, this, so they're, they're trying to figure out who these, you know, what this was all about. And... Mind you, they're paying this money during the election. The, the campaign is on. This is, this is in the lead up to 2020. So, uh, i listing the address here. I, I'm, everybody's saying, well, it's because, it's because Hunter was living at the house at the time. I guess I got a question. If people are wiring me millions of dollars in some total, why the hell would I be living in my dad's house? Right? I mean, I know of literally nobody who has a uh, an honest job making uh, yeah, millions literally and is living in, you know, subletting from their folks. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's not normal. So there's something weird here. You got to admit it. So let me give you a legal analysis. Um, well, producer Robbie says, unless their parents are infirm and require their help, I, you know, by the way, who was more infirm at the time, Hunter Biden or Joe? That's a question. Okay, let me give you the legal analysis of what this means for a possible uh, bribery uh, indictment or a uh, bribery charge. Uh, let me let me explain that to you when we come back. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash 
injury law. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome, friends. Sam Rachofsky here, host of The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Listen, if you get bitten by Commander Biden, that's the dog belonging to President Biden, he has, as of yesterday, bitten at least 11 Secret Service agents. Um, So that's, I guess that's both a workers' comp claim, also a personal injury claim. These poor agents getting bitten left and right. Listen, if it happens to you, uh, don't hire some lib lawyer that's going to compromise with Team Biden and Commander the dog <laughs> accept no substitute. Sam and Ash will go all the way for you. Uh, yes, we'll um, I don't know, by the way, Hunter Biden uh, excuse me, uh, Commander Biden, uh, probably just as troubled and probably bitten uh, as many people as Hunter has. I wonder if Commander Biden is a partner, a limited partner in Rosemont Seneca Partners. Wouldn't that be a twist? What if maybe the dog has got some wires from China himself? He's going around biting people. He's worried people. Yeah, the police are hot on his trail, so they are. Uh, he's lashing out. All right, folks. All kidding aside, get hurt. Call Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Uh, Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. What's going on here? By the way, House Oversight Chair James Comer, uh, last night Fox News' Laura Ingram show, uh, talks about these wires. Here's what he had to say. This Jonathan Lee who wired the $260,000 from China to Hunter Biden's personal account, he is part of the, the Chinese Communist Party. He is, is a huge business person in China uh, with a Chinese-backed entity that funds investments in the United States. So what the, the one issue in Congress that Democrats and Republicans agree on is we don't want China taking over industries important to our national security. We won't want China buying farmland. This is the guy that does that. Yeah, so again, right? Um, Jonathan Lee is sending all this money to Hunter Biden right as his dad is... Uh, beginning his campaign for president. Uh, and it, it, the thing, I mean, at the very least, is highly suspicious, right? Because these, these monies are not coming from some business guy who is, you know, looking to, I don't know, invest in the U.S. It's literally coming from somebody who is plugged into the heart of the Chinese Communist Party, ergo the Chinese government. So what's the Joe Biden and Jonathan Lee connection? Uh, Comer says this about that. Joe Biden met with Jonathan Lee. He wrote a letter of recommendation for his child to get into college in the United States. There is a relationship that was developed between Joe Biden and Jonathan Lee when he was vice president. And now we have evidence 
that Jonathan Lee, who Joe Biden said his son never took any money from, said his son never took any money from China. Joe, uh, Hunter Biden's lawyer said that Hunter never received any money from this guy. We have evidence that he received over a quarter of a million dollars, and the address listed on the wire was Joe Biden's personal residence. Now, here's the here's the challenge. And, and by the way, this analysis is applicable to the Menendez indictment. Menendez today and his wife showed up to court uh, to uh, enter a plea. By the, by the way, she shows up dressed to the nines with a designer handbag, uh, looking like their lifestyle perhaps exceeds his public sector salary. Nonetheless, nonetheless, it's a tough case to make, and I've said this over and over again, and that is also why in a court of law, if you're looking at a federal bribery charge, the case against the Biden is going to be tricky. Well, this is it's a good question. The reason is is because the courts have uh, in in McDonald. This was what is this, uh, 2016? The McDonald case trimmed this all back uh, handily. There's the um, there was a, a, a section in the law that basically said that uh, you know that that said that. Uh, you know, you had an official act. If it was, if the money was there for an official act or given for an official act, it met the bribery standard. Now it says that the official act requires, and this is what the Supreme Court came down and says, a de- decision or action that's very specific and focused, and and right. So both that and must involve a formal exercise of governmental power for a conviction bribery to hold um so here's here's the question you know this money was given and what official acts came as a consequence of it well problem is is that biden at this time a letter of rep, uh, a letter of, of recommendation to get into college is not an official act he wasn't in government he was a candidate so connecting by the way the money to the official acts later performed, which I have no doubt exist. It's just, I'm telling you, it's a tough case. And Comer has this to say about that. One thing that we all agree on is China's a threat to the United States. And here we have more evidence of the Biden family receiving millions and millions of dollars from our adversarial country for who knows what. The Bidens never have said what they did to receive the money. What did Hunter Biden do to receive a quarter of a million dollars from a Chinese national affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party? And that's the point, right? While it may be difficult to prove a connection between the cash given and services rendered, it's equally difficult, if not impossible, for the Bidens, be it Hunter, uh, be it Joe Biden, to say, well, this money went over to, to Hunter, went over to Rosemont Seneca Partners, and here are the honest-to-goodness professional services rendered uh, and investments made with this money. Because that's not what happened. It went into the company and then through a series of fraudulent loans that were used to disguise income, this money was dispersed around and throughout the Biden family. And that's part of what the IRS probe that was squashed time and time again established. It's all connected. And so that's, you know, they're, it's a double-edged sword. 
Now, don't forget, by the way, don't forget that Biden said from the get-go during the campaign that neither he nor Hunter made any money from China. No money from China. It's important to remember this. By the way, I've got the, got the receipts. Play that for you when we come back. No money from China. What a liar. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Well, I got to share this story with you from Tampa, Florida. Unbelievable. One of the federal prosecutors who put people in jail for trespassing on January 6th was arrested for violently stabbing a man repeatedly in public who tried to stop along the roadway to help him. Yes, you heard that right. Sam Burjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Patrick Douglas Scruggs, who worked for the U.S. Attorney's Office in Tampa, uh, worked there about a decade, has moved on to private practice, 38 years old, uh, was at the U.S. Attorney's Office through uh, this year, sometime this year. Now he's of counsel at an Atlanta-based private law firm. Uh Apparently, yeah, apparently he was found slumped over in his car. Somebody stopped to help him. He woke up and began to drive away, hitting them and, and striking their vehicle. Uh, the guy goes, hey, you, gotta, you can't leave the scene. You can't. The guy gets enraged, gets out of his car, pulls out a pocket knife, and begins stabbing the victim. I tell you, I have a question for you. Here's the question, right? So... He, he's a guy, by the way, I looked him up. I mean, he was one of these people that was throwing the book at these uh, protesters, call them uh, trespassers, okay? He's the one who was demanding. In fact, somebody wrote about this who had been prosecuted by him and said, my crimes were so egregious that he demanded I wear an ankle monitor, be drug tested at random, surrender my passports, be restricted to Middle District of Florida, and given a nightly curfew. So let's ask the question, what restrictions do you think this former federal prosecutor, one of Biden's goons, should get? What kind of restrictions should be put on him for attempting to kill a man in public? Great question. Well, here on the What's Right show, uh, I like to I like to the common sense, right? This is this is unbelievable. And it's. It's not being reported, by the way, anywhere really in the mainstream media. It's not hit the uh, kind of the. It's not really hit Fox News or or anywhere there, but it's a big local story in Tampa. Well, it's 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 interesting because a lot of these these prosecutors, by the way, um, you know, there are they're they're going after these J six people, and they themselves are not particularly great human beings, clearly. All right, so talking about corruption. So remember when Biden, during the campaign in 2020, insisted during the debate that he was not, well, he was not uh, 
doing anything, getting any money from China, he nor his family. This is what uh, this is what he said, um, and it's uh, just fascinating. Here, I've got to produce Robbie. Where's that clip? I need this. Apparently, I thought I had it locked and loaded. I am mistaken. This is a problem here with live radio. There we go. I got it. So here's here's Biden. Flashback to the debate back in 2020. Uh, let's see, October of 2020. Um, and this is what was said. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about? China. I have not had it. The only guy made money from China is this guy. He's the only one. Nobody else has made money from China. My son has not made money in terms of this thing. What are you talking about, China? Have not had it. The only guy that made money from China is this guy pointing to Trump. Yeah, listen, I mean, Trump's business, even if you take verbatim the court decision yesterday in New York about Trump's alleged real estate fraud, uh, his Trump's business is more legitimate than anything Hunter Biden did, Rosemont Seneca Partners did ever. So just a liar, right? All of it. By the way, speaking of Menendez, um, fascinating stuff. Yeah, I saw the story. Costco apparently has sold out of all of their one-ounce gold bars. This, as news came out, that uh, Senator Bob Menendez was found not just with cash stuffed in his jacket, but also uh, some gold bullion. Uh, Costco's chief financial officer, Richard Galanti, said on a call with investors, quote, I've gotten a couple of calls that people have seen online that we've been selling one-ounce gold bars. But when we load them on the site, they're typically gone within a few hours, and we limit two per member. So these things are going like hotcakes. By the way, one uh bar one ounce roughly trading for just under two thousand dollars so not an inexpensive purchase matt gates was funny on the floor yesterday talking about the record debt in this country gates mentioned that man yeah well let me let me have him say it here unbelievably funny you are your record and our record in this country right now is $33 trillion in debt facing $2 trillion annual deficits. We're in so much debt. We're driving up deficits so fast. We are devaluing American money so rapidly that in America today, you can't even bribe Democrat senators with cash alone. You need to bring gold bars to get the job done just so that the bribes hold value. <laughs> You got to hand it to Gates. He's maybe on to something, which maybe explains why Costco is selling out of its gold bars. As people frantically realize, I've been doing it all wrong. I've been offering politicians cash, but the cash, uh, because the government is uh, spending money and borrowing money so liberally, the cash increasingly has less and less value and that's by the way this is a, it's an argument this is tongue-in-cheek of course but the argument holds uh principally economically is in order to buy down this debt and i say that in in air quotes here buy it down the federal government is increasing monetary supply in simple parlance they're printing money in order to pay down debt 
and it's um well they're not actually printing it's not technically printing the money they're just adding liquidity into the market but that's the functional equivalent and so everybody's the value of everybody's money goes down because the more money the more dollars that are in circulation the less your dollars that you have out of circulation are worth because the money in your pocket the money in your bank account that's money that's currency or or, or cash that's out of circulation and I know people aren't realizing this, that this government shutdown is really about preserving your wealth, preserving the money that you have. So this, by the way, on the heels of all the stuff going on with the single subject spending bills, yesterday on the House floor, Matt Gates said this about it. And again, he's fighting for this role tooth and nail, and he's spot on. My friends, I am extremely in favor of this rule because this rule moves us onto single subject spending bills and this is the only way to liberate this house and this country from the scourge of governing by continuing resolution and omnibus legislation it is an insult to our governing authority to have the senate lash ukraine funding to the reauthorization of the faa and by the way every other thing in government yeah, this is this is it, right? So what they want to do by lumping everything together, I keep explaining this, they'll they'll attach unrelated spending items in with a particular piece of legislation. So there'll be a a bill to that purports on its face to, to fund the military, but there'll be all sorts of other spending line items in it, some not even you know, even as obviously related to defense spending as perhaps you could make the argument for Ukraine being, but, you know, bridges, infrastructure, you know, uh, money for underwater basket weaving, a daycare center in, in Alaska, whatever it is. And so pork gets stuffed into these bills because, of course, congressmen and senators need to come home to their states and districts. Uh, and 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 show the people that they're in Was they're in Washington looking out for uh, for home base. Now Gates is really taking the fight, continuing to take the fight to McCarthy. Dems can help, maybe even get rid of the failed speaker. So hey, you could join us on this. Let me tell you what I think of this, but here's what he said. The American people know that in our state legislatures throughout this land, there is a maturity and a seriousness to set a top line, balanced budget number, and then appropriate to each of the agencies of government independently. And the fact that we don't do that is not a bug of the system, it's a feature of the system. And the one thing I agree with my Democrat colleagues on is that for the last eight months, this House has been poorly led. And we own that, and we have to do something about it and you know what? My Democrat colleagues will have an opportunity to do something about that too. And we will see if they bail out our failed speaker. Well, the Democrats here see an opportunity, of course. I mean, they could wrestle control over the House from Republicans. Uh, in general, that's, that's not a, a, a good outcome, right? I think we can all agree on that. But I also think that this is uh, a deliberately a, a call and a cry out to Republicans to align themselves more with the Freedom Caucus, more with Matt Gates, who are pushing for this because he's making sense, right? You don't, again, you can't, you can't 
you can't balance any of these budgets if you keep stuffing things in, you keep spending money. You got to cut up the credit card at some point. Now, there's a Senate proposal here that uh, is on the table. I'll explain a little bit about that, what that means. And by the way, last one, tonight we're going to have the, the debate I'll cover that and what to anticipate. I think one, at least one more Republican hopeful has snuck in, squeaked in to the debate. Producer Robbie's very excited about this. I less so. Explain it all when we come back. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. By the way, the story from L.A., this uh, sheriff's deputy that was uh, shot and killed ambush style, uh, absolutely devastating. Uh, and, and I've been following it here uh, from afar. And, and I just have to say, again, the D.A. there deciding not to charge, uh, well, this charges first degree murder, but not to seek the death penalty. Uh, parents of the murder deputy speaking out, saying that now she's got to live with it. They've got to live with this. Uh, for the rest of their lives, and that the perpetrator here, the killer, uh, certainly didn't spare their son's life, and I guess now his life gets to be uh, spared. And I, this, All of this, folks, is going to come home to roost in L.A. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. George Gascon, the DA there, who has time and time again let people off the hook, given criminals passes time and time again. And then, of course, situations arise where low-level offenders, assault cases, even more serious stuff like rapes and attempted murder, they get pled down. People go back out on the street, reoffend, and it results in death and mayhem. Uh, it's just not going to stop until people realize that these policies are ruining, uh, ruining, ruining uh our society. Um, Byron Donalds, the Senate produced a budget proposal, uh, and it's really just, it's it's just what you would expect from uh, the Democratic-led Senate. It's basically giving spending, uh, all the spending that the Democrats want, that the White House wants, increasing the spend, uh, the, the ceiling. Uh, so Byron Donalds, who has been uh, sort of the face of a compromise on this. Even he is not that keenly interested in what the Senate is offering. Listen to this. The Senate's bipartisan proposal. Yeah. What do you make of it? Would you support that if McCarthy brought it to the floor? No, that thing is dead over here. Are you kidding me? Why? Are you sure? Well, first of all, you continue spending. You have $6.2 uh, for Ukraine. Um, they do nothing to secure our southern border. Uh, that is just a non-starter. The Senate needs to get real. What, what You've all seen the images at the southern border. It has to stop immediately. And this government should not continue to be funding funded if we don't secure our border. So then the reporter, of course, says, but there's so many. There's so many senators that are behind this. 77 Dems and, and, and Republicans have agreed on this. Walk us through the idea that there's 77 Democrats and Republicans. That's a big, you know, that's more than two, you know, three quarters. That just means they're wrong. That just means they're wrong. 77 yes. senators are wrong. Uh, if you look at $33 trillion in debt, 77 senators have been wrong for a long time up here. Uh, just because they come to some silly agreement over there that changes nothing about our country, doesn't mean that they're right. That just means that they're weak. That's it. Right? 
Because most of these Republicans are precisely the kind of go-along, get-along, squishy types. We call them rhino Republicans, but their, their entire MO is to compromise and to have fun. And, well, not have fun, it's about being collegial and uh, you know, professional with, with uh, members of the, of the Senate chamber. And, uh, and they, 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 they're, they're not interested in, in, in making any, taking any principled stands. Very few Republican senators are like Rand Paul, for example. Like very few of them. Most of them are much more like Romney, much more like McConnell. They will fold at the first sight of danger. And of course, it's the Senate chamber that uh, tilts uh, Dems. So you know, there's there's not you know not only Repo- not only the Republicans in the minority to begin with, but even if they were one or two seats over, you need a stronger majority because there's always going to be a few squishy Republicans there. So why not fund a stopgap? Why not say let's buy ourselves some time and push this down the road forty five days, and. It seems like a compelling argument. Donald's answers that uh, today, talking to reporters. Congressman, at the top, you said that we shouldn't fund the government unless. Congressman, it's a 45-day stopgap measure. Why not just wait and have the fight at another date? Uh, because this town always wants to wait and have the fight at another date, and it never comes. And there are people back home who have seen this play time and time again, and they're frustrated with it. So even though even though there is a continuing uh, measure that I authored, that would actually secure our southern border and cut 8% off the top of our federal government, at least that's a positive step in a direction to get our fiscal house in order and secure our border. The Senate's not doing that. So, I, you know, I, I like how Byron Donalds just won't accept the premise of the question from these reporters, and he's very calm, too. Now, he's, he's a well-spoken, calm, and uh, articulate guy, uh, but can I just make the other argument here that I think they knew 45 days ago that they had this problem, no? I mean, I mean, they knew six months ago that they would have this issue. So it's, we're up against a deadline because time and time again, Democrats assisted by weak Republicans want to come to a pressure position with a looming, with a looming shutdown, use that to scare the remaining Republican holdouts into accepting their terms, which are always more money for their projects, more money for whatever they want to do, and certainly no money for funding the border. And the border funding, you know, Byron Donalds talks about this. I'll, I'll never forget, and neither will you, the time when we go back and not too distant memory into 2017, 2018, Paul Ryan denying essentially through uh, his speakership, denying Trump the spending he requested for the border wall. So, you know, much of Trump's agenda in the first two years of his presidency, half of his presidency was thwarted not by Democrats, not by, you know, out of, out of control Mueller investigators, but but really by Republicans. I mean, it's absolutely shameful, and I uh, I, I I tell you, it's 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 got to end. So Donald's again refusing refuses to accept any shutdown, a typical shutdown framing by reporters, 
and closes out his comments with this. Congressman, at the top, you said that we shouldn't fund the government unless you secure the border. So are you saying that you're willing to shut down the government if you don't get the border policies you want? No, I'm saying that Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer are willing to shut it down if they can keep their border open. Because that's what they're doing. But, but, but Senate well, that's leader, what they're doing. But Senate leaders put forward a bipartisan CR to keep the government open, and then you can deal with this border issue afterwards. So how can you place the blame on Democrats and Biden for shutting down the government? Well, that's very easy, because we all see what's happening at the southern border. Congress today can say, you know what, we're going to change policy on this because this is not working. We don't need more time to work on it. We all know what the policy writers that are needed to get it done, they don't want to do it. But why take the government and why shut down I'm the government over border government. policy? I've been very clear. My position is close the border, keep the government open. That is my position. Right. The position of Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden is leave the government open and then leave the border open. That does not work for the but American you guys people. Even... And I think right now independence... Even some Democrats and certainly Republicans agree with that sentiment. Donald's is spot on. Don't go anywhere. Another hour of the What's Right Show will continue after this. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome, friends, to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Uh, I, um, I'm going to be watching the debate tonight. I look forward to it uh, being held at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in Simi Valley, California. Uh, I, oh, there's an update. Yes, I got to give the update. Doug Burgum who, if you'll remember, uh, he uh, basically limped in to the last debate. He ruptured his Achilles, I think maybe uh, hours before, a day before uh, the debate, and so was absolutely high as a kite in that debate, uh, painkillers and whatnot. Look, uh, (laughs) producer Robbie's very excited that Doug Burgum's in. I... Doug Burgum has 0.000% chance of becoming president, and those numbers hold true for this cycle and for all future cycles. He doesn't have it. Ditto to Asa Hutchinson. And they're both um, – oh, Asa, by the way, got booted. He's not, he's not coming, but Doug made it in. He's in, so we'll see um, if he gives a rousing performance. The talk right now, of course, leading into this debate – is Nikki Haley. And this is fascinating to me because uh, I, you just, I, I love the mainstream media. For example, Reuters have a headline today. Some Republican don- donors now eye Haley as the best hope against Trump. Now, first off, when they are citing donors, Republican donors, who are they talking about? They're not talking about you and me who give, you know, whatever it is, 100 bucks here and there, 1000 bucks. You know, I give a little more because I can to Republican candidates. They're talking about the people that are moving around hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're moving around China bribe money, amounts of money, okay? And these people, first off, it has to be said, are notoriously terrible at picking winners in a, in, a, in a primary contest and in general election contests. 
If you were to believe the donors, for example, back in 2016, Jeb Bush would have been your guy. And it's the party donors that gave us such loser candidates like John McCain. Let's mention, by the way, John McCain, there's an analogy a little bit here with him uh, and Nikki Haley. Because remember how John McCain was the decent guy to run? He was the decent guy to challenge that young, energetic, change candidate from Illinois, Barack Obama, the young senator, who nobody knew anything about. And so along comes, you know, a slew of Republicans, some of them quite fiery that could have gotten the job done, but the mainstream media and the Republican Party establishment got behind the decent candidate, the guy, the moral candidate. They got behind John McCain and they pumped him up and he eked through and won that primary now that was it by the way that's a a, an entirely different republican party thanks to trump than it is today so i don't think that that same pattern uh the same facts would play out now but that's not what i'm getting at what i'm getting at is what happened after because once McCain got the nomination, then all the sycophantic reporting that he was getting from the mainstream media turned on him. Remember? They they just went, turned it right around, and all of a sudden McCain was, was basically a Nazi. And that's what they do. They... They'll build up a Republican candidate who they see as the kind of a, a perfect generic other candidate, other Republican candidate. And they'll say, oh, look at Nikki Haley. She looks so good and she's so pleasant and she says all the right things. If Nikki Haley got the nomination, Reuters and everyone else would all be slamming her in, in, instantly. Reuters spoke to four donors and one source close to a major donor who were impressed by the former South Carolina governor and U.S. ambassador to the United Nations in the first Republican presidential debate in August and said they were keen to donate should she continue to strengthen as a candidate. Uh, It just proves to you that these big Republican donors, if this is true, aren't principled or substantive they're just picking the guy or gal that they think is going to get them in power and they certainly are not putting any money behind trump because he's not predictable and he's not going to do their bidding i guess these donors are going to be sitting around the telly tonight watching to see how she does at the second debate in california right so so she's now getting pumped up as the as the next big thing Listen, I'll tell you, I'll take DeSantis all day long over Nikki Haley. I'm sure she's a lovely person, but on the substance front, I'm I'm not I'm not particularly impressed. Uh, so I'm you know, but but again, the idea donors. This is a Republican Party, so they've got it. I think the media has us mistaking us for Democrats because it's on the Democrat side that the donors get to pick the candidate. I mean, we all understand that. So this, um, but this, not here, not now, not post-2016. Republicans do not want to be told by the mainstream media who they ought to vote for because we don't trust them. And we certainly don't trust our, our donor class because they, 
yeah, they've, they mess it up time and time again. So the debate looks like eight candidates um, met the uh, donor polling threshold now. Uh, just a reminder what that is. You, you had to, 48 hours before the debate, so that deadline's passed, at least 3% in two national polls or 3% in one national poll and 3% in two polls conducted from separate early nominating states. Ugh, whatever. You have to have 50,000 unique donors and, of course, sign the pledge, which, you know, at this point, I think they've all signed to be in the first debate. And Trump, once again, saying, eh, I'm not going. He's out in Michigan and doing his counter-programming. He's going to be speaking at the park supplier, park supplier uh, uh, manufacturing plant, non-union shop, and making a case for why the green rules that have been put in place by the Biden administration mandating all electric vehicles by 2035 are absolutely insane. So this is, you know, this is it. Now, back to the Haley thing, right? H- Haley, they're, they're pumping her up. You, let's go back a little bit. So starting all the way back in August, Washington Post, after the first debate, ran a headline, who are we kidding? Haley won on brains and experience. And folks, if you'll recall, here on this program, I, I gave you my winners and losers of the debate. I didn't put Nikki Haley anywhere at the top. So again, I, it was, and, I, and I, I mentioned some of these uh, flattering headlines for the people that I thought obviously lost. And I, I, I said flat out, you know, mainstream media is picking a Republican that they then will tear down. September 8th in The Hill, Nikki Haley is on a roll. How far will it take her? Go, Nikki, go. September 19th, The New Yorker. Nikki Haley's consensus appeal. Hmm. The 27th of September, which is today, some Republican donors now eye Haley as the best hope against Trump, which is a separate Reuters headline. Um, They're not all positive. They're just not nasty. So, you know, Haley's your generic Republican polling stand-in right now. That's it. That's that's it. And we cannot, as rank-and-file GOP voters, let the media pick our candidate for us. Can't do it. They'll have respect for us so long as they'll have respect for that candidate so long as uh, they're running in the primary as a spoiler. And then the minute... They clinch the nomination if they were to clinch the nomination would turn on them in a New York minute. All right. What about DeSantis? That's, by the way, to me, I'm watching DeSantis. I'm watching Vivek. I want to see what they do. DeSantis, for me, this is, man, he's like Custer, you know, in battle. This is his last stand. He can't, folks, he's, he's got to pull it out. He's got to project confidence. It almost doesn't matter what he says he needs to be authoritative and 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 look. The media is saying he's got to attack Trump. I ever he's got all these people in his ear, all telling him to do different things. It's it's not good. And we'll see what Ramaswamy does. He may he may come out swinging, of course, again, um, or be more lighthearted. Again, it'll be an interesting thing. Watch for pivots from the previous debate. One hundred percent, there will be some changes. Now, we come back, I, I've got a – the Wall Street Journal put out a, uh, 
opinion piece here. The editor, ed- editorial board. Um, the real Donald Trump live on Truth Social. And they're picking apart the post on General Milley. See, this is just, this kind of stuff bugs me to no end. I'll explain when we come back. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash, Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. Yesterday, folks, I told you about the Trump post on his social media platform, Truth Social. And this was the one that has been roundly criticized by mainstream media as calling for Mark Milley's execution. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You know, I read the I read the Truth Social tweet, and I I remember thinking, well, this isn't this isn't exactly written as it's being portrayed. It said, well, in a time, in, a, in an era now past, somebody like Mark Milley, who went behind the president's back and communicated with China, telling China that, that he would, as a member of the military and part of the unified uh, command structure of the military, would give the enemy notice of the president, president's thinking, he would warn them if Trump was making any decisions on China, I mean, that is treasonous conduct. In fact, bringing this whole episode up and reminding people of it, in my opinion, front pages across the country ought to be running with that as a story. So even a sober and oftentimes, I would say more fact-based publication like the Wall Street Journal really disappointed me when the editorial board uh, basically called Trump abhorrent for making these remarks. Quote, Donald Trump suggested the other day that General Mark Milley, the nation's highest military officer, deserves execution as in death. He said NBC should be investigated for treason and that the FBI should raid the homes of Senate Democrats. (laughs) Then he accused President Biden of being manipulated by the fascists in the White House. Um, well, all of that is, is, is true, and part of it also is Trump's way of writing. But it was funny. And the underlying point was absolutely, absolutely, essentially spot on, which is that what Mark Milley did amounted to treason. And if the Democrats and their friends in the Justice Department are going to run around the country arresting every mom and pop guy who was at January 6th at a rally in and around in the vicinity of the Capitol, arresting and convicting even people who weren't there physically, then perhaps there's some credibility here to having uh, the FBI start looking into Democrats, particularly as we find out that some Um, you know, have hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash stuffed in their jackets and gold bars coming out of their yin-yangs. So so that's that. I mean, that should be the story. Here was part, the Wall Street Journal editorial board writes, here was part of Mr. Trump's send-off for Mr. Milley. Quote, this guy 
turned out to be a woke train wreck if the fake news reporting is correct was actually dealing with China to give them a heads up on the thinking of the president of the United States. This is an act so egregious that in times gone by, the punishment would have been death, meaning it's amounted to treason, and treason is a capital offense. So, I mean, I, I look, I, I, I'll tell you, I will be the first to tell you when Trump crosses the line and, and starts saying really insane stuff that can't be backed up, but th- this is it's funny, and it's a reminder of something that was really inappropriate, and he says, if true, right? Because this was reported in the media, there were numerous sources that went on the record to say that 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 this had happened, that Millie did this. Now, the fact that the Wall Street editorial board elevates Mr. Milley, calling you know him uh, somebody who's finishing his tenure as chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and saying that he's worthy of respect, to me, absolutely, absolutely blows my my mind really the wall street journal says we realize no one is supposed to take mr trump's word seriously but what if some crank does and decides to shoot general milley in his retirement are you kidding me we have a sitting president of the united states what's left of him joseph r biden repeatedly going out and yelling because that's how he talks now when he gets agitated yelling nasty terrible disgusting things about half of this country you don't think that biden is by the same standard going far further than trump in soliciting violence against for example maga republicans people with Trump signs, et cetera. I, I don't, I mean, I, 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 remember Dark Brandon? Was, did we forget that speech? I mean, it was heinous. We had our, our leader, our president, and he didn't go after a guy in government. He went after half the country. And that's the difference. See, and friends, I, I want to make a very important point here, which is completely lost on these fools who hold high positions at the Wash at the Wall Street Journal. And that is that the Dems can repeatedly, repeatedly malign half of the country, millions of Americans, call us terrible things, racists, obviously, we fascists, um, deplorables, right? We've we've heard it all. And that's fine, but the minute that Trump comes out or a Republican comes out and says, y- you know what, we, we think that Christopher Wray, the head of the FBI, is, a, is an outright criminal, and all hell breaks, is, oh my God, oh, this is, this is just unbecoming of civil discourse. And behind all of this is the profound and unabashed elitism that is the Democratic Party in 2023, because the Democratic Party essentially claims, while cloaking itself in this disguised veneer of caring about people and being a political organization that supports the middle class and the poor, is really nothing more than an elitist club whose sole function is to create wealth for its members and protect its own. And that's what they're doing here for Millie. 
Nobody wants to have an actual conversation about the fact that Millie is a dimwit and that what he did was criminal. No one wants to say that. They want to attack Trump. Trump is the messenger getting the arrows here. And I want to say this. Uh, I want him to continue doing this kind of stuff because it, it, it absolutely draws all of these mainstream media goofballs from out of the shadows into the spotlight, and we know exactly who they are and how they think. So this, by the way, and of course, and the next thing they do is they they say, well, we don't, you know, we're, we're what do they, what else do they say? They say, well, we, <laughs> we, we know that Trump has First Amendment rights, but this is beyond the pale. That's the thing. They, they, they know that Trump is willing to speak, but they hate the fact that he's speaking and they want to ridicule him into silence. While Trump has been sued, he's been indicted, he's been persecuted, I'm pretty sure that Trump is, if he's even seen this article today, um, is going to go out to PetSmart, buy a hamster, shred this article so his hamster can drop a deuce on it. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, back after this. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome back to the What's Right Show. Bottom of the hour, Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. I have some great news for all of you. Uh, just kidding. It's not great news. Last night, uh, here in Las Vegas, the Culinary Workers Union announced a citywide strike authorization. Members apparently voted on this earlier, and they passed with 95% support. We don't know, of course, how many members actually voted. But I guess of those that were present, 95% voted for it. So uh, no contract, no peace. This would, uh, by the way, absolutely shut down and cripple uh, Nevada, particularly Las Vegas. I imagine, right, what they're banking on is a pressure point of Formula One. And Formula One, for all of its craziness, and, and trust me, folks, I'm, oh, I am dealing with it myself. I can't take it anymore all the cones the dug up roads everything it's terrible tried to drive my son to his water polo practice which is happens to be at UNLV and I was trying to cross over on Harmon which was easily the stupidest thing I've ever done I mean uh I would have been better getting out of my car and crawling on all fours I would have gotten there faster so anyway, um, I digress. I'm not a fan of all the traffic problems, all the issues and whatnot, but I do recognize, I do recognize the upside, the enormous financial upside of the event itself. It's going to bring an enormous amount of people. Uh, people are going to be spending, uh, these visitors are going to be spending and a, a, a multiple that we, you don't even, can't even fathom compared to the typical visitor to Las Vegas. And of course, that brings in needed tax revenue, ga gaming revenue, et cetera. So I'm, look, I think on balance, we're gonna, I could be wrong, but I think it's going to be proved to be an economic boon for Las Vegas. And so the, the colonial workers know this. 
They know that the casinos are, you know, rooms that they're now maybe selling for 800, 700 a night are going for thousands of dollars a night in that week. And so we've got that. We've got, of course, the Super Bowl coming early next year. And so they're leveraging this. There have been months and months of negotiations. Uh, I guess a new contract is still out of reach. So uh, negotiations are continued to, slated to continue next week. Um, So this is, uh, you know, this, they're calling this a strong message, but let's, let's, let's get ready for this. By the way, every time these workers go out there and hold one of their rallies, one of their protest marches on the strip, and it's, it's almost invariably the uh, one time that I need to be going somewhere on the strip. And so between the Formula One closures and, and the, the culinary union out there uh, banging their pots and pans, I, it's just it's, it's enough to make grown men cry. So I'll follow this for you. I'll let you know how it's going. I'm going to get some intel on this tomorrow night, uh, meeting with some local electeds uh, here, and um, we'll see what they tell me about this. Uh, all right. Now, speaking of something that doesn't make sense to me time and time again, which is a Democratic Party, very inconsistent positions, is both for an open border, which by definition produces a stream of uh, working class people who enter the country who are willing to to work for less money than whatever the prevailing wage is in a particular area, and their purported support for unions, right? If a union is all about helping its members make more money for every hour worked, then it is antithetical to that to then have the political party that is your supporter turn around and open the spigot at the border, flooding the marketplace, the worker marketplace, with millions of competing potential employees who are, of course, willing to pay less. Never understood this. And it's happening right now, right? We have a prominent UAW strike. These workers are demanding all sorts of things. we got Biden showing up there. Hell's bells can't get him anywhere near the border, but it's his doing that the border is wide open. Now we've got the strike looming in Las Vegas. Culinary workers, big supporters of Democrats, go out there, get out the vote. Ballot harvesting, all of that, the, the, the critical right to Democratic wins here in Nevada, the culinary workers are. And at the same time, I mean, I mean what happens if, you know, you know, we're, I, I, nobody's enforcing any immigration laws. So just, you know, what happens when they start these casinos go, listen, all right, we're done. We're just got all these workers here who want to clean rooms. Let's do it. Yeah, we've got president open the border. It's yeah, border patrol can't do anything about it. Can't chase people down. Why not? It's fascinating. And nobody's asking this question. Nobody's nobody's going to Biden and saying, what, what the hell, dude? You you're purport to be pro-union, then why not stop the border? Okay, this is, by the way, part of the reason why in 2016, a lot of labor leaders backed Trump because they understand that the open border is a threat to them. 
They understand that these people will come in and work for less. So it's and 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 you know, and they're not looking to unionize. Hell, they just want to go in and get a paycheck and get out. Speaking of the border, this morning on Fox and Friends, Texas Governor Greg Abbott is talking, he gave an update on the border buoys lawsuit. You know, these are the buoys that they're the Texas uh, National Guard is placing in the in the Rio Grande in the river, uh, preventing people, making it more difficult for people to cross the river. And it's a temporary uh, border barrier, but it's something. It it helps. And and of course, as soon as they put it up, Biden and uh, his Justice Department sued <laughs> Texas, seeking to enjoin them from taking it down. Listen to this. The buoy idea came from the Border Patrol. Uh, and, and they tested it for safety. They tested it for effectiveness. Uh, and no one will cross those buoys. Uh, obviously, the Biden administration sued us because we have those buoys in the water. Uh, we will continue to deploy them. They're out there right now. Uh, if we win that case, which I think we will, uh, we will put hundreds of miles of buoys there. And let me explain why. We are building a border wall, the exact same border wall. Right now. That, yeah, right now. The border wall is going up as we are speaking. But the, the, the border wall costs 10 times as much as those buoys. And so we can have uh, more prevention of people crossing the border by putting hundreds of miles of those buoys in the water. And my takeaway from that is, of course, that uh, a surprise, I didn't know this, that the, the buoys were already developed by the feds and the feds are now suing, right? I understand something. It's the fed, federal government led by Joe Biden is suing a state for using its own technology that they've deployed, calling it dangerous environmentally harmful, etc. Wrap your head around that. And so the next logical thing is what does this really mean? I mean, it's a it's a border war, but between whom? And Texas Governor Greg Abbott has this to say, and I think, unfortunately, he's right. Talking about the, the Biden administration suing us to try to eliminate the buoys, but it gets worse because y'all showed here on Fox News the way that we put the, the National Guard put up this concertina razor wire to prevent people from coming across into the state of Texas, and it was effective. Biden administration, Border Patrol, they cut that razor wire. Then they pulled it open mm -hmm. and, and let the migrants through. There is a war going on on the border, and that war is between Texas and the United States of America. It's outrageous. It is outrageous. And Abbott should continue to bus illegal migrants to blue states, to sanctuary states, sanctuary cities, make them pay for their insane policies, is what I say. Now, the U.S. Patrol, Border Patrol Chief Jason Owens uh, was on, uh, uh, on air today talking to a Fox reporter. And... Um, and he, he, he said, he says, listen, this, this open border right now is creating enormous profits for the cartels. They're profiting off of this. They're profiting because they're charging these migrants to, to come across. Uh, millions of dollars a week in revenue across each sector on the southwest border going directly into the hands of those cartels and those smugglers. Added to that, they're using this as a distraction to pull us off of task so they can cross other things like the narcotics. It's wild. Now... I thought, I thought, the Democrats in particular, of course, I think we can all get behind it, when it comes to smuggling human beings, human trafficking, child trafficking, I thought we were dead set against this stuff. And by the way, at the same time that the Biden administration is deliberately, is deliberately opening the border, 
so deliberate, in fact, that it's suing a state who is that is trying to protect and 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 put obstacles in the path of people crossing into that state, Texas. We have millions of dollars being spent right now training people inside the country to prevent child trafficking. Now, this created an interesting situation. I want to share this with you because a famous guitarist was stopped uh, on a plane by by a flight attendant upon landing was presented to the police. And what was his crime? What is the suspicion of crime? Well, he was traveling with his own kids. I'll explain what this is all about when we come back. It is, it's an astounding story. And I have my, of course, my own commentary to lay on top of it. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. In a crash, call Sam and Ash or bitten by Joe Biden's dog. Uh, call Sam and Ash. Of course, that doesn't rhyme, so it's not as catchy. 702-820-1234. Let me do that one more time. 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. Welcome back, friends. Sam Rajofsky here. News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show. I'll tell you what's not right. And that's what happened to this gentleman traveling Uh, This week from Atlanta to Los Angeles, landed in Los Angeles, was met at the gate by uh, four police officers and a representative from American Airlines. The gentleman in question is black. He's African-American. His children that he was traveling with are biracial. Uh, They are much lighter skin than him. And I suppose the not I suppose, it's obvious. The flight attendant on board uh, suggested that one of the kids didn't belong to him and alerted the authorities, which prompted the police response. So, um, you know, I, I look, I, let me unpackage this a little bit here. One, um, again, Since 2017, when the House authorized in its FAA spending bill a whole separate program to train every gate agent, every ticketing agent, every uh, all the everybody working for airlines uh, on recognizing and responding to potential human trafficking victims. Uh, This is, by the way, a bill that was proposed and put in place by Democrats uh, in Congress. Um, this uh, this bill, this campaign has basically deputized every brainless employee working for fill-in-the-blank airline to become a Columbo-like detective. The problem is, there's, let's, be, let's be clear about this, there's only one Columbo, and it is yet another example of how we are taking people who are basically in food service, or at least that's how it used to be, uh, and we're, we're deputizing them into junior law enforcement officers. The power that a flight attendant has over you is astronomical. Now, I am a, 
a common sense person and it balances out a little bit because on one hand, I, you know, I have friends who are flight attendants and I've spoken to them many times about this and I'm, I tell them I'm frustrated because I'm very polite and I'm very collegial and I get snapped at by very entitled, full of attitude uh, flight attendants all the time. And, and they feel bad about that, but they, they tell me the counterpoint to that is that they deal with idiots day in and day out, which I completely understand because I fly a fair amount, and I see those idiots as well. But my greater point here is, is you've got somebody – by the way, I'm going to play a clip here from this, this guy who uh, had this happen to him. His name uh, is David Ryan Harris. And he goes, he said, basically, I mean, they could have checked my kids' names, what was on the ticket. They could have done some research on me. They could have figured this out. Um, instead, I was humiliated in front of my kids. My kids were crying. And that's what he said. If we are truly concerned with child trafficking, it seems to me that the line of defense should not be on the airplane. I had to go through a ticket counter. I had to pass federal agents. It should stop with the federal agents. Once we get past TSA... I don't want to hear from a flight attendant about what kind of hunch they have. Um, it's a burden on flight attendant, and it makes far more room for error. And if that means that I have to get a passport for my children to fly, then so be it. That's 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 what I'll do. And by the way, um, I, I some context for this. I I, I witnessed a really a, a tremendous upsurge in crazy flight attendant. Uh, policing during COVID. I mean, it became very clear to me that these flight attendants were absolutely uh, over the moon to be, you know, the minute you had even like a shade of a nose hole peeping out from your mask, it was like, um, sir, excuse me, excuse me. But, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm just coming up for air, lady. It's, it's, it's a quarter of a nostril. Of course, all of that's silly now is we're packed into planes and everybody's fine. Um, again, we always were fine. This was all ridiculous, and we know that now. But, but here's the problem: you know, air air travel is obviously not what it used to be, and the more power that the federal government gives flight attendants, um, I tell you, it's it's ultimately going to result in an absolutely inhospitable environment where a customer on an airline really isn't a customer. They're they're going to jail. I mean, they're there being guarded by a bunch of wardens who ought to be in, instead of taking care of you as a customer and and making that airline a type of uh, experience that you want to reengage in. Are, are there enforcing federal government rules. And it's all so comical because you have the feds on one hand telling flight attendants to look out for human trafficking, and yet you have the same federal government suing a state like Texas for putting up a border barrier to prevent illegals, human traffickers, literally human trafficking at the border, and they will do everything to enable that to happen day in and day out. Tell me, how does any of this make sense? It doesn't. None of it adds up. It's totally a complete joke. By the way, Cindy McCain, speaking of, 
back in 2019, right? Was that when it happened? She saw the child of a different ethnicity from their parent at a Phoenix airport called the police. She bragged on a radio show about it. She said, I, yeah, we pulled it up here. I came in from a trip I'd been on. I spotted it. It looked odd. It was a woman of different ethnicity than the child. This little toddler she had was something didn't click with me. I went over to the police and told them what I saw. They went over and questioned her, and by God, she was trafficking that kid. Well, the only problem is that police came back and said that's not what happened. The kid wasn't in danger. It was a parent, and uh, McCain Institute later had to issue a kind of groveling apology on this. Look, uh, yes, a, a Karen. Yes, it's a Karen-type behavior, and that's just an individual going, police officer, police officer. But what happens when that person essentially has arrest powers can get you put on a no-fly list like a flight attendant? I mean, can, can easily happen. I mean, it's not taking the word of the customer over the word of a flight attendant, I'll tell you. So I'm, I'm pleased that this is getting some pushback because part of the training out there needs to be awareness by these people that um, you, you can't go too overboard on it. And let's close the border for Pete's sake. That's the common sense solution, right? No doubt about that. All right, friends, our hour, two hours are up together that we have Monday through Friday. Always such a pleasure. This would not be uh, what it is without you. I'm deeply appreciative of, of you in the audience. Thank you for all that you do to reach out to me. Sam at SamAndAshLaw.com. Sam at SamAndAshLaw.com is where you can reach me. Comments, concerns, uh, please, please uh, drop me a line. And of course, I'll be back here tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk about the debate, take it apart. And tomorrow morning, very early, 6.15 or so, I will be at the station. I will be talking on air with Alan Stock for the Three Square Food Drive. So look forward to uh, seeing you, hearing you, listening then. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT.